in the month of May. 5K every day in the month of May. k every day in the month of may 2022 podcast i'm jeff poland and i'm so excited that you're hanging out with me for this epic 5k adventure we have almost made it through an entire week that is pretty awesome by now you're hopefully getting yourself into a bit of a routine hopefully the 5ks are getting a little bit easier as you go of course i did say easy er not easy I hope you are also starting to feel some of the many benefits that come from developing a daily exercise routine. If you're not feeling that yet, you will. You are getting stronger every day, whether you realize it or not. So keep up the good work, keep moving forward, you can do it. However, even though I know you can do it, and even though I'm encouraging you to keep moving forward, don't forget that today's daily fun photo challenge is to run or walk a quarter mile backwards. Yes, your neighbors will likely think you've lost your mind, but let's be honest. They've seen you getting out and getting active every day for nearly a full week now, and they are already wondering about your sanity at this point anyway. To help you get this... Children of God, we know, we know the love of our Father. 
Read in Poland. Our Bible verse for the week is Matthew 5.14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. As we jump back into our daily Bible reading with the weekend on the horizon, I do want to encourage you to be the light of the world that Jesus has called us to be. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ alone for eternal salvation and you've been adopted by God the Father and have been filled with the Holy Spirit, then I want to encourage you to simply live in the light of that reality. Remember that your life may be the only Bible that some people will ever read. Let's represent Jesus well here on this earth. The joy of the Lord is meant to be our strength. God has been far better to us than we could ever hope to deserve. So let's be joyful people and praise Him with the way that we choose to live our lives. If you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ alone for eternal salvation... and to bring you back into the loving arms of your Heavenly Father. The truth is that God created us to be with Him, to experience a deep and abiding relationship with Him. But our sins separate us from God. God is holy and just, and our sins are like an assault on His good and perfect... I don't care what you think. I'll do my own thing, thank you very much. You can see how this kind of attitude would cause a wedge in any relationship, let alone a relationship with the Almighty Creator of all things who knows exactly what He is talking about when He's... And no matter how hard we try to fix things on our own, in our own strength, those sins that separate us from God simply cannot be removed by our own good deeds. We have all sinned so much that our offenses against a righteous and holy God are like drops of water that fill the ocean. And our attempts to try to fix our own sin problem would be like trying to remove that water from the ocean by shoveling with a toothpick. It's simply not possible. On our own, there is no way to get back into a right relationship with God. But that's where Jesus comes in. Paying the price for our sin, Jesus died and rose again. He did the impossible. He defeated death. It's as if he invited us to throw away the toothpick and simply watch as he shines brighter than a thousand suns and causes every last drop of sin water to simply evaporate even the depths of the ocean's floor. But keep in mind that this is simply an invitation. For many of us, we just turn away and keep trying to shovel that sin water out with our silly little toothpick. We know it won't work, but we're too prideful to let Jesus come in and save the day. I want you to know that we don't have to keep doing that. Jesus is not going to gloat. He's not going to hold it over your head that you needed him to save you. We all need him to save us. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for Jesus is offering you eternal life today and forever. Everyone who trusts in Him alone has eternal life. Throw the toothpick away. Accept His incredible invitation. Put your faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation today. When you do that, life with Jesus will start immediately. You will immediately be brought back into a right relationship with God. And that right relationship will last forever. That is the good news of the gospel, and it is a truth that is available to everyone. So let's be people who receive that free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ alone, and let's be people who are passionate about letting others know about this free gift that is being offered to them today as well. Let's go ahead and jump into the daily Bible reading. I hope you've been enjoying this walk through the Gospel of Matthew so far. Let's pick up where we left off yesterday. Today we will begin in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16. 
One day, the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test Jesus, demanding that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. He replied, You know the saying, Red sky at night means fair weather tomorrow. Red sky in the morning means foul weather all day. You know how to interpret the weather signs in the sky, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. Only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign, but the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. Then Jesus left them and went away. Later, after they crossed to the other side of the lake, the disciples discovered they had forgotten to bring any bread. Watch out, Jesus warned them. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, You have such little faith. Why are you arguing with one another about having no bread? Don't you understand even yet? Don't you remember the 5,000 I fed with five loaves and the baskets of leftovers you picked up? Or the 4,000 I fed with seven loaves and the large baskets of leftovers you picked up? Why can't you understand that I'm not talking about bread? So again I say this, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then at last they understood that he wasn't speaking about the yeast and bread, but about the deceptive teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would rise from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began reprimanding him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said. This will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. I had this idea for a weekly devotional video that I posted to YouTube and Facebook throughout the year in 2021. It was a reboot of an idea that I had done several years before. The weekly video offering was called The Midweek Worship Connection, and it premiered every Wednesday on YouTube at noon and on Facebook at 3.30 p.m. I was really excited about it. I was hoping it would be a huge source of inspiration for people and would be something to help keep them focused on Jesus between Sunday to Sunday. The format was simple. I had a little opening title screen with a midweek worship connection guitar riff playing in the background. Then I would share a little four to five minute devotional thought from my own Bible reading that week. And I would end the video with a music video for a song that I had written. 
I actually put a lot of time and effort into it because I was hoping that the Lord would use it in a powerful way. But unfortunately, it seems that I was more passionate and excited about it than others were. Some of my videos got nearly 100 views and others had less than 20. So after a year of putting out high quality videos nearly every Wednesday, sadly, I pulled the plug on this project. Now, as I was reading Matthew 16, I was reminded of a Midweek Worship Connection video that I put out on October 13, 2021. The video only got 18 views on YouTube, but I think the message was really helpful. So I want to share the audio from that episode in today's podcast. If you are listening to this podcast and you're thinking to yourself, man, I wish those Midweek Worship Connection videos still went out every Wednesday. I would love to have that resource to tune into each week. Well, please let me know that by leaving a comment in the 5K May 2022 Day 6 blog post on my website at www.jeffpullenmusic.com. If enough people actually wanted that resource back and would actually tune into it on a weekly basis, I would be willing to consider doing it again in 2023. But, and just being honest here, it would have to be a lot more than 18 people who want to have that happen. So here's that audio from the October 13, 2021 Midweek Worship Connection video, which was a response to Matthew 16, verses 24 through 25, where Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Welcome back to the Midweek Worship Connection. I once heard a story about a little girl who went with her mother to the market. Now, while she was looking around, she saw a bead necklace with a $2 price tag on it. And she had exactly $2 in her pocket, so she bought the necklace. The necklace was plastic, of course, and it was nothing special, but it was incredibly special to her. She loved it. She wore it everywhere. She only took it off to take a bath because her parents were afraid that prolonged exposure of the necklace to water would turn the necklace some strange color. Then one night, As her father finished reading her a book and was tucking her into bed, he asked her, Daughter, do you love me? And the little girl said, Yes, Daddy, of course I love you. So he held out his hand and he asked, Then will you give me your necklace? Now the little girl could not believe what she had heard. No, Daddy, anything but that. You can have my bears or my books or any other piece of jewelry, but not my bead necklace. It's very special to me. Okay. The father gave her a hug and a kiss, and he said goodnight. And the next night, as her father finished reading her a book and was tucking her into bed, he asked, Daughter, do you love me? The little girl said, Yes, Daddy, of course I love you. So he held out his hand again and asked, Then will you give me your necklace? Shocked to hear her father ask for the necklace again, the little girl replied, Daddy, I have told you that you can have anything of mine that you want, but not this necklace. It's so special to me. Okay. The father said, gave her a hug and a kiss and said goodnight. Then on the third night, the father went into his daughter's room, planning to read her a book and tuck her into bed. However, when he entered his daughter's room, she was sitting on the edge of her bed, crying and clinging to her prized bead necklace in her hand. What's wrong, sweetheart? The father asked, sitting next to her and putting his arm around her. I know what you're going to ask, she said through her sobbing. I've been thinking about it all day. I do love you, and I I know that you're going to ask if you can have my bead necklace. So here it is. You can have it. She held out her hand, and she gave the plastic necklace to her father. He received it, put it in his right pocket, and pulled out a beautiful, authentic bead necklace from his left pocket. 
He said, I want you to have this. As he lifted the beautiful, ornate necklace over his daughter's head and onto her neck, the little girl was lost for words. She took the heavy, dazzling necklace into her hands and looked up at her father. I, I don't understand, she said. And the father spoke softly. I know how much that plastic necklace meant to you, but I wanted to give you something better, something that would last. Still, I couldn't give you what was best until you had willingly let go of what you had. Isn't this just like God the Father? He has a plan and a purpose for our lives. He wants to prosper us and not to harm us. We are His workmanship, created for good works, which He has prepared in advance for us to do. We can too easily miss the abundant life that God wants to give us because we are stuck clinging on to the life that we have made for ourselves. We focus on good things instead of on God things. As he was preparing to make his final journey to Jerusalem, where he would ultimately be betrayed, arrested, falsely accused, beaten, and crucified, Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Matthew 16, verses 24 through 25. May we take these words from the Lord Jesus to heart. Like the little girl in the story I told earlier, may we be willing to prove our love to the Father by willingly giving up anything He is asking us to lay down, including our own lives. And may we, like the little girl in the story, find that the Father is willing to give us so much more than we could ever dream or hope for. God is good. Trust Him today with all that you have. He wants to give you so much more. Chapter 17. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up to a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from cloud said, This is my dearly loved son, who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they only saw Jesus. As they went back down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Then his disciples asked him, Why do the teachers of religious law insist that Elijah must return before the Messiah comes? Jesus replied, Elijah is indeed coming first to get everything ready. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, but he wasn't recognized, and they chose to abuse him. And in the same way, they will also make the Son of Man suffer. Then the disciples realized he was talking about John the Baptist. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was awaiting them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. 
Then Jesus rebuked the demon and the boy, and it left him. From that moment on, the boy was well. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, Why couldn't we cast out that demon? You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. After they gathered again in Galilee, Jesus told them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. And the disciples were filled with grief. On their arrival in Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and asked them, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, Peter replied. Then they went into the house. But before he had a chance to speak, Jesus asked him, What do you think, Peter? Do kings tax their own people or the people they have conquered? They tax the people they have conquered, Peter replied. Well then, Jesus said, the citizens are free. However, we don't want to offend them. So go down to the lake and throw in a line. Open the mouth of the first fish you catch and you will find a large silver coin. Take it and pay the tax for both of us. See, there it is. You thought I was crazy earlier when I talked about Jesus causing all of our sin water to evaporate, and yet here the text clearly says, He was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. That's Matthew 17, verse 2. In all seriousness, this is an amazing moment, and I want to point out a few key realities that are happening within the text. The first thing I want to point out is that Jesus had entered a completely new phase. Towards the end of Matthew 16, Jesus is talking pretty clearly about his coming death. He started by talking in parables and by mentioning the sign of Jonah as the only sign he will give to the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were testing him. But the reference to Jonah, who was essentially as good as dead in the belly of a great fish for three days, was not nearly as clear of a reference to his own death as he began to give at the end of the chapter. And by verse 21 of Matthew 16, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Now that's pretty clear. And it is in this context then that Jesus tells his disciples that if they want to follow him, they will have to deny themselves, take up their crosses, and follow him. And now here in Matthew 17, Matthew, the writer of this gospel, begins to offer some key clues that he suddenly cares about chronology now. For the majority of his gospel, he was not concerned with giving a chronological timeline, but that concern changes in these final weeks of Jesus' life. The first verse of chapter 17 begins by saying, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John his brother and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And it is in this context that three main things happen. The first is that Jesus was transfigured in front of his disciples. He was intentional about only having Peter, James, and John with him. This was something that he wanted them to see because they were going to be instrumental in keeping the mission going after Jesus died, rose again, and ascended to the right hand of the Father in heaven. They knew that something was different about Jesus, but this was further proof. They would never forget seeing Jesus transfigured before them. They would take that image with them throughout their lives, and it would no doubt give them strength as they themselves suffered through their own deaths. I think God gives us moments like this throughout our own lives. There are certain things that I have seen and have lived through that have no explanation aside from the fact that there is a God who loves me and wants me to know that he is with me and for me. I hope that you have experiences like this as well. Those are the experiences that will help us to keep our faith in the midst of difficulties and trials of various kinds. 
The second thing that happened here is that Moses and Elijah appeared, talking with Jesus. And what is the significance of this? I believe that the significance of Moses and Elijah being present for this moment is actually rather simple. Moses is representative of the Old Testament law, and Elijah is representative of the prophets of God. Jesus wanted Peter, James, and John to see him communing with Moses and Elijah as a way of solidifying the fact that Jesus is not in conflict with the law and the prophets. His life, death, and resurrection fulfilled the law and the prophets. They are in perfect harmony and unity. And of course, the third thing that happened here was that the voice of God spoke from heaven saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is the second time that the audible voice of God the Father spoke out over Jesus in the presence of others. The first time that happened, of course, was at the baptism of Jesus. And here in Matthew 17, at the transfiguration, we have the audible voice of God the Father again. The audible voice of God the Father at the baptism of Jesus was what signified the start of Jesus' earthly ministry. Now the audible voice of God the Father is signifying a new phase in the ministry of Jesus. He is about to enter into Holy Week, which will be his final week of walking the earth as a human. It's the week that he will be killed. This word from the Father was likely a source of strength for Jesus himself, but it was also an undeniable memory and proof to Peter, James, and John that Jesus was exactly who he says he was. Listen to him, God said. And I think that is still solid advice for us today. Chapter 18. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him, and he put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. What sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin. Temptations are inevitable, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand or one foot than to be thrown into eternal fire with both of your hands and feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out and search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it is not my heavenly father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then, if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. And I'm also going to tell you this, if two of you here on earth agree concerning anything you ask in my Father's name, he will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. 
Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the king of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. Now, in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and his children and everything he owned just to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and he begged, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed the servant by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down and begged him for a little bit more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. And when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Every time that I hear the parable of the unforgiving servant, I'm reminded of how incredibly forgiven I am. Like the servant in the parable, I had racked up an insurmountable debt of sin, but God, who is rich in mercy, completely removed my debt by sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Hallelujah. The question now becomes... How will I respond to this gift of freedom? Will I, like the servant in this parable, receive mercy only to go around and show no mercy to the people around me? Or will I be quick to show mercy to others, knowing that God has shown incredible mercy to me? As Jesus is nearing his final days, he is preparing his followers to do the right thing, even in his physical absence. Don't worry about being the greatest, he says. Rather, whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Don't cause others to stumble and sin, he says. It would be better for you to have a great millstone fastened around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea than to cause someone to stumble and sin. Go after lost people, he says. All of heaven rejoices when the lost are found. If your brother sins against you, he says, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone, try to restore the relationship. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you. Keep trying. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector, who are lost people, by the way. People that we should be going after, just like Jesus said, because all of heaven rejoices when the lost are found. And the basis for all of this, it seems, is the grace of God. We have been shown great mercy. We should extend great mercy to others. As we continue to work to live this way ourselves, knowing that it is only by the grace of God that we can, let's be thankful to Jesus and his work on the cross. So to send you out today, mindful of this, here's another song from Poland Band, and this song is called, How Could It Be? From the beginning...
How could it be that the King of all glory hung on a tree and died for me? How could it be that the fullness of heaven took on flesh to set me free? Oh, how could it be? Oh uh...